At the end of the day, people tell you don't do things because they can't do it. They won't do it, right? They don't have the motivation to do it. Whether it's intentional or unintentional, right? You you got to cut out the noise and go follow, especially the entrepreneur, your listeners that are entrepreneurs, you've got to go follow your heart. You've got to go follow what you want to do. Don't listen to the noise because there is going to be a negativity out there. And let me tell you, once you get started, some of those negative comments roll in and stuff like that. You just got to let that, you know, roll off your back like like water on a duck. You can't really pay attention to that because everybody has their own opinion and everybody's going to try to tell you what to do. And if you allow that to get into your brain, then that's going to hinder you from going farther in your career. Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert, Tracy Goodwin, an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice. This podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage, make a bigger impact, and have a voice that makes people listen. Presentation matters, and the voice is the missing link. Join in and you'll see why. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you with me today. And I can't wait to introduce you to my super special guest, Chris de Blasio. I had the opportunity to be interviewed on Chris's show, he has a great podcast called Sea Level. And I just was so impressed with what he does, his knowledge, his understanding of the power of the voice, that I really wanted him to come over and have a conversation with me. I really think you're going to love everything he has to say. It's so interesting to me. One of the first things he says in the interview. I can't wait for you to hear it because I knew he always seemed a little familiar to me. And when we started our conversation, he talked about where he went to school and I was a little bit blown away at the connection. You know, it really is such an incredibly small world. But let me tell you a little bit about Chris. He's the CEO of Agency 850 and 850 Entertainment. He's a television and film executive producer, public speaker, and branding expert who has 16 years in the entertainment business as an actor and a producer. He got his start at the School of Film and Television in Manhattan, New York, and then landed roles on the nationally broadcasted One Life to Live, CSI New York, and other daytime television. He obviously then went on to pursue an acting career in LA, and during his time there, his entrepreneurial spirit kept emerging And he started working with contacts in the movie business to fulfill the emerging need for mobile content. This technology took off and he started Agency 850, which is now headquartered in Atlanta, which has a thriving entertainment industry. As CEO, de Blasio oversees a staff of writers, producers, social media managers, and branding experts to administer CEO, and personal branding services to leaders in cutting-edge industries. You can find Chris's personal branding knowledge online by searching for his own produced CEO show called The C-Level, which is the show that I was on. The official title is C-Level with Chris de Blasio, where he discusses business success and strategy with CEOs from all over the world. I know you're going to get so many golden nuggets from our conversation. So let's head on over to the show. 
Chris, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you with me today. Thanks, Tracy. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's good to see you. And I know my audience is going to love hearing everything that you have to share today. No pressure. (laughs) No pressure. But you have such an interesting story about where you've come from and, and what you've done and what you do and what you're doing. And I love to always start, I know it's the traditional question, but I always love to start with what, what do you do and how did you get there? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I guess the, uh, the start is, well, what do I do? I'll, I'll talk about how I got here first since <laughs> get some context of it. Um, so I'm originally from Jersey. I, uh, I started out early on in advertising. I was just really good in sales. Uh, just got a knack for that. Um, but I always had a passion for the movie industry. And so being so close to, to New York, I went to school for film and television in Manhattan. Uh, I studied with a whole, whole different, um, whole bunch of private coaches out of New York. And, uh, yeah, I, I got the bug, uh, you know, and I got my start on a, uh, on a soap opera called one life to live on ABC. And uh, I bounced around on a couple of the the New York shows and and uh, some CSI and some of these shows that passed through. I had some bit parts on on some of those shows, and then obviously it just it just fed that 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 actor in me, right? And so uh, so I made the move in 2007. I moved out to LA. Uh, I lived um, lived out there for a while, but I moved during the writers' strike, and oh. so yeah, it was uh, it was quite interesting times. Uh, so the, obviously the uh, the writers could not strike a deal with with uh, the the produ- you know, producers, the, the PGA, which is Producers Guild. And so a lot of the shows just stopped. And so yeah. I was like, oh, great. Well, what am I going to do now? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so I was like, perfect timing, Chris. You know, you go out. And, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Um, for me, uh, I would, I would be, just be able to see gaps in the marketplace and just, you know, just kind of innovate and come up with new ideas. You know, I hear stories of my mom telling me, like when I was a kid, I tried selling like my finger paints on the street corner. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like, that's always been in me. So anyway, so when I hit LA and work started, you know, it's, it came to a screeching halt. That's actually, um, I found out that there was another need is when smartphones were becoming popular, websites weren't fitting on them. And, and so, uh, what I did was I hired a, a bunch of developers to create websites designed for mobile phones, and I sold it to everybody I knew in the entertainment business. And that's actually how our ad agency started. We started doing marketing for people out in Hollywood, and it, it, it started taking off. And that's also when I started learning production. I figured, you know what? Uh, I, I love business, and so let me learn the business side of the entertainment business. And so I learned how to how to produce. I learned e, you know how to EP, and, and I financed some stuff, and I, I put stuff in festivals, and you know got got projects um, you know to uh, to Netflix and all this other stuff. And so stayed very busy with that. Obviously, love you know fed the entrepreneur side of me, and then uh, fast forward to today, uh, moved back to the East Coast for family. Um, but Atlanta, uh, you know Georgia in particular, started started blowing up in the movie industry. A lot of people are still starting to find this out. Is that there's more stuff being shot uh, and produced in Atlanta and in Georgia and the surrounding areas in Georgia than anywhere else in the country, even even L.A., even Hollywood, right? And so traveled up here, uh, decided to make this, uh, you know, plant my stake in the ground and in 2017, moved my executive staff here and continuing to grow, uh, you know, grow the ad agency. So, so our, our, 
one of the things that we do is we do like product placement, product integration, branded entertainment. We do a lot of stuff with the, the you know movies and TV shows that that run through Atlanta. Um, I also work as an uh, as an EP, as an executive producer, and basically what my role is is I work with high net worth individuals and investors that. Um, will invest in movies and TV shows, and I work in packaging. So basically what I do is I package talent with a project, and then I get that to network. And so I stay busy with with those types of things. And I own a couple other companies too. I mean, the entrepreneur in me just tries to keep on going, right? And so um, I'm this, I, what I like to say is I'm like this weird hybrid between a creative and a businessman, right? And so I've got this actor side of me, but I'm also a CEO. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. That's amazing. That I, I see, see, I'm learning even more about you. And I, I love all of that. And I've got a bunch of questions. I unpack some of it. You are really, you really are an entrepreneur. You're like that classic, you don't see a problem. There are no problems. There's only solutions, right? Correct. Yeah. I, I like I like to say I am a firefighter by heart, right? I find yeah. fires and I try to put them out. And and I always believe that, you know what, there's there's got to be a way. Right. There's got to be a way to to solve whatever issue it is. You just got to figure out the strategy and the steps to get there. And so I think one of the, the unique abilities that I the approach that I take is that I might be a visionary and I might have create creative ideas, but I put those steps in place. Right. So whether it's building something new or taking something that is broken and figuring out how to fix it. I enjoy that stuff. You are a hybrid. That's not the norm. I have to have my right arm that can do that steps thing. I can yeah. do the creative thing, but I cannot do the steps thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I, I have I have two questions, and this backs up all the way back to where did you go to school? What film school did you go to in New York? So I, I went to uh, a place called the School for Film and Television in New York, and so I so it was acting, but primarily. But they did they did teach you a little bit of like behind the camera and stuff like that, which was kind of cool. Okay, so let me blow your mind for a minute. I knew you were going to say that. I taught voice there. You did? I did. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Okay. When Joan was still alive. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. years and years ago, I was there probably in two thousand two. Okay. You pro- I'm, I don't know when you came, but yeah. I was clearly gone by then. But no, I taught voice there with Richard Omar. Oh, okay, we were yeah. the voice teachers, me, yeah, Richard, yeah, yeah. and Ellen. And yeah. then I also taught over at uh, Mike Nichols' place. Oh, wow! When wow. that was there, so I wondered if 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 you went there. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there for a short time. I didn't take the, so they had a two year semester yeah. thing, like thing that they did. I I actually went in there. I took select classes, so I actually took. It was strategic, right? So. Um, I had a couple of like soap teachers. Yeah. Um, Maggie Reed was was there. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, I don't even know what she's doing. <laughs> I haven't told her in years, but but a couple of soap soap teachers there. And then um, after after that, and I learned Neil Lerner, I believe was, was yeah. over there as well. Um, and so I, you know, I've I've learned techniques as an actor, and then and then after that, it was kind of like a broad overview, right? Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to refine my cl- my craft. And so after after that, I went to. Um, MTV Studios, which is Mary Boyer. She always she yeah. used to work uh, with T. Schreiber, yeah. Mary Schreiber, and so um, so I was actually coached and trained by her. 
to really fine tune the acting skills. Voice was part of that. Uh, using your 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 entire body as an instrument when you're an mm-hmm. actor, and really really diving into uh, how to take on and embody a character. But that's yeah, that was my journey through that. Yeah, that's amazing. And then you did One Life to Live. Was that the one? Did Shelley Henning? Do you know Shelley Henning? Her name's really familiar. I don't know if that, she was on one of those. She was a graduate. And it just made me think about her when you said that. Well, I, I want to circle back to voice, but I, yeah. I want to go down this. I'm definitely going to circle back to voice, y'all. Don't worry. But I want to go down this, more about this, what you do with CEOs, how you help CEOs. And I know you've still got your hand in the film and movie business and all of that, and we'll get into that. But I want to talk about how you help CEOs for a minute. Yeah. So our company, the, the, the other side of our company is we do a lot of podcasting, uh, a lot of business related uh, like shows, like business podcasts, that type of thing. But it all started where I, even though I was an actor, I was always in front of the camera. I never had social media, right? Like I, I stayed off it. I actually did, did not like social media. Mm-hmm. Like I stayed away from it until I realized it's actually a business tool. And, and if it's, if it's used properly. And so um, I, I knew a lot of people in New York. I knew a lot of people in LA, but I didn't know anybody in Atlanta when I first landed here. And then somebody finally said, listen, you need to start branding yourself. You need to start creating a show or sort of recurring work on social media. So as a producer, I went into producer mode mm-hmm. and I created a show called Pitch Chris, which is basically, it's a and a show uh, about the entertainment business. So people would ask questions and I would answer them. So how do I fund a movie? How do I land my first talent agent? That type of stuff, question, answer. But what I was finding was that it was searchable. So when people would type in those questions in Google or something like that, my videos were popping up. And I was getting I, w- I was getting exposure. And I said, all right, well, this is interesting. Let me do a, I know a lot of CEOs, I know a lot of founders and, and, and entrepreneurs. Let me do a business show. So I created another show called C-Level which it's a guest show. So I have guests on my show and we talk about leadership and business and and all team building, that type of stuff. And that show started taking off. And then the light bulb went off. And I was like, you know what? There are so many baby boomers, Gen Xers and older millennials that know they're supposed to be active on social media. It's just, they don't have the production team behind them. They don't have the crew. They don't have, they don't know where to even start. They don't have the coaching, that type of stuff. And, and, and so hence that side of the company was born. And, and so, yeah, our company stays busy in helping CEOs get their content out. And what happened due to COVID, so we were doing this before COVID, we were rolling out film crews uh, all over the country, right, to, to where the CEOs were and, and, and doing shows. When, when COVID hit, instantly we switched virtually. So we're doing a lot of shows like this, right? Like we're, we're doing it remote. Um, but it, 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 it makes it easier and more convenient for more people to do it. They, they can interview people all over the world because now it's, it's all remote. Um, and more and more people are, are finding out that they need the service because when lockdowns first happened, it was very, very difficult for CEOs and founders to network with people. Mm. Your best networking platform is social media mm-hmm. if in a in the right sense, in a business sense. So if you're branding yourself um, as a thought leader in your industry, that is the best tool you can use is a podcast. Yeah, really good stuff. And and it's true. My generation, I'm at the I'm right on the cusp of that boomer and then whatever 
whatever came next. I can't remember which one. I'm right in that Boomer, line. Gen X or Gen X. Yeah, Gen X. Yeah. There's, there's like this Xennial or something that's like kind of like on the cusp. I'm. Mean, it seems. Oh, like really? Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, we we we're terrified. It. We were terrified. Yeah. We did not. I had my first computer when I was 32 years old. I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, social media. Forget it. Cell phone. Forget it. Yeah. And it's so there's a lot of fear around it, probably, but I think there's some mastery to it, right? There's sure. a, probably some not so great teaching out there, but, but do you find that people just they either don't do it at all or they just throw it all out there and it's it's just not sticking. It's like a spaghetti bowl. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you obviously got to do your research. I, I, I tell anybody this: if you're producing content, you got to know your market. Mm. Yeah, you know, whenever whenever I'm you know whenever I help a CEO create a show, the first thing we talk about is. Who are you talking to? Who's your audience? Let's go talk to them. You know, because not everybody's objective is to, you know, have a following like Kim Kardashian, right? It, you don't need that as a business person. You don't need that. What you need is the right audience. And so identifying the right audience and then and then going after that. Yeah, no, that's really great advice. And I think people don't quite get that. Because they're after results. Let me just get some quick results, I yep. guess, is part yep. of it. And, 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 you know, it's like the likes and the, the, the you know, you, you've got all that type of the views and stuff. It's not that. It's getting the right people. Yeah. You know, again, it's not going that. Branding takes time. Branding takes years. Like, mm. it's not something that's going to happen overnight. I mean, yes, every once in a while you get a viral video and stuff like that. But we're also talking about entertainment entertainment type things that are created to be viral, right? We're, we're, what we're talking about is creating business related podcasts to make you a thought leader in your field of what you do. Yeah. And, and it's, it's different, right? KPIs are different for everybody. Sometimes it's, you know, just having that right type of audience that then opens up that market. I always say like the more obscure your business is, the more advantage you have because there's less of an audience. And if you're the only one that has a podcast, you literally have dominated the entire entire audience. Yeah. And I know you really, I think you do, do you coach CEOs on video as well? I know. And I do want to talk about the, all the podcast stuff that you do, because I know that's an area of your expertise, but do you work with CEOs on video presence and that kind of thing as well? Occasionally, I will. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, mean, I I stay I stay crazy crazy busy and and yeah. you know on the movie side and and I'm I'm producing, but I, I'm a natural like I'm I'm a I just love helping people, you know. Yeah. And so and so I, I could I, there's certain individuals that that you know I can I can work work exclusively with. Yeah, but but you're really a master of the podcast game, and I'm a practitioner. That's, yeah, that, that is the best way I could say it. Like yeah. I'm not like I'm not your guru. Like I'm not like I literally I've I've started doing this. It started working, and I said, "Oh my gosh, other people could probably benefit from this." Yeah, and so that's really how I how I got started. I really wouldn't consider myself like the the guru or the coach. Who's so sure, media, you know, <laughs> sure, sure, but. Let me let me ask you this because you are in that you are you really are good at that podcasting thing and of course obviously I'm a huge fan of podcasts because we're sitting here recording one yeah. and I got to meet you through your podcast. Yeah. There's a lot of noise around markets too saturated. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I you know I'm a super fan of get you, when's your podcast rolling out. Yeah. Talk to us about that. Is that is that real or is that well, no? All the voices that are saying, don't do this, don't do that, I would say, don't listen to them. <sighs> because the, the, at the end of the day, people tell you don't do things because 
they can't do it. They won't do it, right? They don't have the motivation to do it. Whether it's intentional or unintentional, right? You've, you've got to cut out the noise and go follow, especially the entrepreneur, your listeners that are entrepreneurs, you've got to go follow your heart. You've got to go follow what you want to do. Don't listen to the noise because there is going to be the negativity out there. And let me tell you, once you get started, some of those negative comments roll in and stuff like that. You just got to let that you know roll off your back like, like water on a duck. You can't really pay attention to that because everybody has their own opinion and everybody's going to try to tell you what to do. And if you allow that to get into your brain, then that's going to hinder you from going farther in your career. No, that's really good advice. And I I just feel like the data on podcasting is not only holding strong, but I've read some statistics that say it's going to ultimately trump video. Yeah. Well, mm, that's interesting. I know, I, right? You know, I, I, think, I, I think they're one of the... I, 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 th- I mean, obviously being a movie guy and a film sure. guy, like, I would say video video always trumps everything. Um, but audio is really, really important. And I think the way we go about it is everything is video. We shoot our podcast, everything right. is video. We extrapolate the audio and then create and then syndicate it out on other platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all, all the platforms. So this way you're in both. So I would say that doing both is going to be more advantageous than one or the other. Yeah. And I think, and I, it's been a while since I read this and I was like, I don't, no way I can't buy into this because yeah. people love video. Yeah. And I think it was coming from the perspective of commuting yeah, and, and when I'm out running yep. or when I'm at the gym and right. that having that option, but the really doing both is critical now, isn't it? Yes. And, and we are, we live in a world where everybody's a multitasker, (laughs) right? And so, and so you can't really read and drive. Well, you probably could, but I would not recommend it. That's very bad, (laughs) but, but you can listen and drive, right? So, so, so having those things, you, you know, you're working out, you're listening to something, right? I mean, if you're on a treadmill, you might be able to watch a video, but at the end of the day, that's why it's so important to, to try to be where your audience consumes the content. And so yeah. our approach to it is video first, everything is video, extrapolate the audio, and then taking it one step further is let's transcribe your entire episode into, into, into writing. So now you have a blog. So now you have video, you have audio, and you have the written word. So anybody that can consume your content, you have the right medium for them. I kid you not. One day I was standing in my yard in LA and there was a guy driving down the street in a convertible, reading a book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I kid you not. It made me think of that when you said that literally the book was on the steering yeah. wheel. Yeah. Oh, I, I've, I've, I've seen it all on the 405. And, <laughs> right. You know, oh my gosh. Looking oh, over, I'm yeah. like, is it really happening next to me right now? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. That was, uh, when did you, when did you leave LA? Uh, it was a 2012. Oh, Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was that traffic. There was no traffic at the top of the pandemic. Oh, it was yeah. Very strange. Yeah, I would, I would actually love to see that. <laughs> it was, I mean, like literally nobody on the 405, which is usually a parking lot. It was yeah. very, oh. very bizarre. Yeah. 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 I would say, I mean, the Atlanta traffic, I mean, it's bad, but I think LA still has a beat. It's oh, my gosh. There's nothing like it in the world. Yeah. It's a nightmare. Well, all right. So I want to 
talk about the agency a little bit more. It, you Really, you guys have an amazing strategy in how you put this together. Do you spend time on the front end helping people find that, really hone in on that ideal audience and design that brand? Yeah, I, I mean, I do. So in, in, in the initial phase, like, I, I think that's where my creative comes in, right? So so I can kind of quickly identify, all right, well, who are we speaking to? What's the objective of the podcast, right? Because we are talking about business, right? It's not necessarily, I mean, the exposure is going to come and, and the following is going to come, but we're talking about what, what are you trying to accomplish? Do you, do you want to sell more books? Do you want to, do you want to get higher paid speaking engagements? Do you want to sell more product in your company? What is it? Right. And start from there. And then let's design the show. And then going back to what I, what I mentioned before, let's design the show that speaks to your audience. It's very, very similar to what I do in the movie and, and, TV market, right? If I'm going to make a movie, right, I need to know who my audience is and where they're at. So if I make a horror film, I need to understand that type of audience and I need to understand how do I reach that type of audience. If I make a comedy, same thing. Where is that? How, how do we tell that story? And, and, and where is that audience? Because that's what's going to bring back a return. Yeah. And so it's really, there's very, there's a lot of similarities, it sounds like being a producer. And, and being a producer, yeah. <laughs> it's really yeah, it's the same, the right? Same. Yeah. It's just, again, it's, it's when, when we did this, uh, it, it, it's more of like, Hey, that's, this is better, way better than a commercial, right? Because mm-hmm. all my people, they have been on movie sets. They have been on, on, on TV series, right? They've done that type of work. And so it's an easy switch to saying, okay, well, this isn't just a typical commercial that we're shooting once and we're done. This is an ongoing show. This is audience building. This is, this is, there's a strategy behind this. Right. And so when we rolled this out, it made a lot of sense to be aligned with with what we do in the movie industry anyway. And and like I said, I, I like to I like to coach people. And so I like to look at my agency as like almost like a breeding ground of the next wave of producers coming up. Let's hey, let's let's get you guys, you know, trained in in here on, on what to do, right? And then these things. So this way, when that, you know. 10 million, 20, 30, 40 million dollar production comes through, I can entrust some of those producers to do that as well, mm, right? Yeah. Now, so everything is virtual then. You help these CEOs. Everything's virtual. Like literally, you're doing all this work via Zoom kind of thing. Yeah, lately. Yeah, we have. Oh, okay. And and so, and obviously because of COVID, we yeah, were rolling sure. film crew. And I do have, I have the ability of rolling film crew pretty much around the country. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So we do, we do production management, stuff like that. And as an EP, you're allowed, you're, you, you can do multiple, oversee multiple projects going back to the zoom thing. Yeah. I mean, zoom was the easiest, quickest way for us to obviously pivot because sure. everything, even, even in Georgia, everything locked down in the beginning. Right. Um, so that was a quick, easy way, but we have other, uh, software, other technology, um, same thing that like CNN or anything else, you know, any of these other things, uh, other platforms are using, we're able to do that as well. So if we need to broadcast high quality 4k, that type of stuff, we're able to do that too. So it really just depends on, on what the client's needs are. I mean, if, are they just starting out and they just want to get content or is it, do we need like a full on TV, you know? TV ready production, you know, being broadcast. And will you hit the road again with that as soon as the lockdowns are starting to lift or is it like, okay, this online thing works. We kind of do it this way. That is a, that is a great question. Um, you know, a lot of people love this online thing. Uh, you know, I, I, 
it's 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 easier for everybody. I mean, you know, both on production, both for the client, for the host, and both for the guest. Like I said, they can interview anybody anywhere. There's no travel expenses or no hotel hotel stays. You know, there's so much. Uh, it's such an easier way of doing it. So it's good. However, we still we still will roll a film crew when we're when we're able to, right? And yeah. still we'll do those bigger events because, oh gosh, I mean, as you know, like. So the event business got hammered in a lot, you know, they got hammered. And so when some of these things start opening up, they need, they're going to need production crew there. Like they're going to, it's going to, they're going to, they're going to want people. And and a lot of times, you know, these CEOs, you, you need to document that type of stuff. If you're doing a presentation or stuff, like you need to have a camera crew there because that's part of your brand. Like that is getting your message out there. And so, so yeah, so we will have the ability to do both. I, I do the love the convenience of, of obviously doing the streaming stuff, you know, I mean, it, it makes it easier all the way around. <laughs> well, and it, like you said a minute ago, it, it you can reach people that you can reach people in other countries yep. that maybe, maybe you can't roll if, I mean, maybe you can, but maybe you can't roll a film crew to Australia. I mean, Hey, we can do anything. You can do it. I knew it's, you were going to say that. What, what the budget <laughs> is, you know, it's like. <laughs> right, right. No, that event, I, I was going to have an event and I can't wait to have an event. And I can't wait to have you all come down to Florida and film my event. Love you. Because I think we're all ready for those moments, you know, and they're going to be so glorious, right? Because we haven't been able to do them for a year. But that footage and that, that's like the everything now. That's like liquid gold. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there. I mean, it's no surprise that when everything happened, social media, media consumption on, on all the social platforms went through the roof. I mean, <laughs> how many times can you binge shows on Netflix, the same show and over and over again? It's like the networks are starving for content. Like, you know, I've got a movie coming out April 2nd. And because of the lockdown, originally everything, you know, we were in post-production for a while, but then when the content started running out, like we were getting bids left and right, you know? And, and so, and so that like, like there's such a need for content, both on the entertainment business side, right? Like TV shows and movies, but then as well as business related content, people, you know, people need to, they need to consume, they need, and what I always say is, on social media in the business world, or you, you got to understand that you can't, it's, it's very difficult to sell, right? So the only way, instead of getting a commercial and, and hammering them with a commercial, why not educate or entertain? Because if you're doing one of those two things, it's going to be a lot easier for somebody to consume that content, to build a relationship with you and or your company, and then do business with you. And that is the way it is. And if there's not that much content, so going back to what you said a little bit earlier about, about it's saturated, it's really not. You just mm-hmm. got to find your audience and create content for your audience, your tribe, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this movie you've got coming out, because I know you still you still do both. You Well, all. I don't know how you do it all. But you got the agency. You're producing movies. Lots of coffee. That's Lots of coffee. Okay. <laughs> and you're still acting. Now, this movie that's coming out, are you acting in that or did you produce that? I am. Actually, it was, it was a funny story. So originally I was brought on as an EP, as an executive producer and just help, helping with, you know, the financing and product placement and, and you know, deal structure, that type of stuff. Um, but we actually had during pre-production, we had a scheduling conflict with one of the actors. And uh, and so uh, Seth, uh, uh, Nathaniel Nuon, who's, who's our director, 
uh, you know, we, we talked about it. He's like, I need to fill this. He's like, do you, do you want to jump in the role of Tom? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? You oh, know? wow. And so, and so that's kind of, you know, how I, how I got right back into it. And, and, um, and yeah, I've been, been taking other, other, you know, looking at other scripts and stuff. And, and, and so, uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to, to actually get, I mean, I'm in front of the camera a lot, like social media and doing these podcasts and stuff like that, but, uh, to embody a character, you know, I mean, that's always been my first acting's always been my first love. So, oh yeah. So yeah. So it was a lot of fun. Really yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So you still do all of it. You wear all the hats. I wear all the hats. I mean, like I said, any entrepreneur knows you got to have a lot of irons in the fire, right? Yeah, for sure. What do you think is going to happen? It's the, I mean, y'all shut down and I know in LA television and film shut down. Is that going to come back the same or different? Or do you have a feel yet for what, I mean, like you said, the, the running out of shows, yeah. are, are we back filming again? Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Georgia, I mean, we're not, I mean, we have, some, y'all aren't even locked down. Are you? Yeah. We're not really even locked down. I mean, yeah. Like Texas here. Yeah. And so, and so we're still able to to do stuff. I mean, one of my good friends, you know, owns one of the major studios out here and he's like, man, I'm booked up for the next five years, you know, I mean, just, yeah, there's stuff still going. And, and so that hasn't stopped. What, I, what you will see is the, and I'm looking at movies and projects as, as uh, you know, as a businessman and, and as a filmmaker, you're going to see a lot of shift and you're going to see probably more horror films, uh, more house horror films, single location, minimal staff or, or, or uh, cast, right. Minimal cast. COVID because obviously COVID restrictions, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I mean, there's, you're seeing more and more of these things, right? And so, so you're going to see a lot of different movies that probably not going to have the huge, huge cast, big budget movies, like two, $300 million productions. I, you know, I think it's going to be, we're going to see, it's going to be a little bit of time before we see those come back because, you know, these movies, you know, investors want to return, eh, you know? Yeah. And so, and so if they're, that's a big risk. It is. Mm-hmm. And so, and so now if you can crank out some of these small ones and, 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 and keep the content going because of the starvation of content right now, that's what you're going to see. So you're going to see a, like the, not the quality suffer because still good money is being pumped into the quality. It's just different. Like I watched a horror movie that took the entire thing took place in an elevator. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I saw another movie that that pretty much the entire movie took place in an airplane, like a prop, a propeller. Yeah, airplane. sure. Co-pilot, pilot, right? All the three, whole movie. Whole movie. And so, and so, you're gonna see content like that uh, being developed, and and like even productions that I'm working on, like I'm working on a sci-fi right now that um, it's a, and this is unheard of, really, is a low-budget sci-fi. But what we're doing is we're leveraging an LED wall. And and for people that don't know what an LED wall is, if you ever watch Mandalorian, the background, Mm. like, you know, all that stuff, it used to be green screen, but now LED, LED light has gotten so good that you can put an LED wall and you can create whatever you want on the fly, which means pretty much zero editing. If you wanted to move a mountain, you could. If you wanted to move the sun, you could. If you wanted to change the scene completely, you could. Which which reduces production costs, which also reduces travel and hotel stay and COVID. Like again, COVID restrictions. I could do it on a on a on a lower crew, um, you know, capacity and and cast as well. And we don't have to worry about you know 
putting people up in different hotels because we got to be on the road and we got to travel different places. We literally can shoot an entire movie in one location, even though it looks like there's different scenes in the background. That's amazing. And, and I, I don't, I don't mean this in a bad way at all, but that is almost awesome for your not big budget guys for the, the smaller filmmaker or the smaller, And I don't mean smaller in a negative way, but that sounds really great. There is nothing wrong with being an indie filmmaker. I mean, good business, really. You know, a guy, you know, Jason Bloom, Bloomhouse Pictures, right? Mm -hmm. That's what he does. Like he creates these these, um, low budget movies, right? And then flips it to Netflix. Like, I mean, that's smart. I'm a business Here's the business guy. The business guy's in. So (laughs) so that's smart business, right? Keeping your costs down and maximizing profit. That's yeah. that's what you want to do. So why am I going to risk a, a a $300 million film like film if it does well or not? No, you mitigate the risk. Even better if you have a deal with say like a Netflix or an Amazon or one of these streaming platforms, make the movie for a certain amount and then flip it to them for, you know, two times, three times, four times, four X, you know, of what you made it for and keep doing that and recycling it, recycling, put your investment back, make another movie and keep working. Right. That's really exciting. Yeah. And does do you feel like Netflix and Amazon and that Hulu and all that stuff changed the game in a oh, lot of ways? Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's in so many ways, in so many ways, because, you know, with with traditional network TV, even the way that things are made, like there's no time limit for like commercial breaks and all this other stuff. It's just creating content. Yeah. You know, I, I like to say, you know, the, the content is like, you're even, even if it's a series, each one of those episodes is like a movie. Yeah. Right. And so, and so it's, you, you, you're not, there's no commercial breaks. It just keeps going. So, so a lot of the, the, the structure is totally, totally changed, you know? And, and I knew that as soon as Netflix, you know, did the, the, the whole rollout with streaming, I'm like, this is a game changer. Yeah. Well, just from even a time perspective, I mean, I remember when I coached on Scorpion, they they had the longest, it may have been that way on CSI too. I mean, it was months and months and months and months. Yep, yep. It doesn't, now you can knock them out faster, yep. right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Way we're, faster. We're seeing things crank out. Well, it's also because of the demand. Like they, yeah. there's a demand for good content right now. And so, and so that's what you're seeing. So, I like to say like, like independent filmmakers, like even people just coming up, like, gosh, you live in, you live in such a great time right now to develop mm-hmm. content because there's a need for it. And, yeah. and anybody in business understands supply and demand. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and so when, when the demand is really high, you know, you have a good shot at getting your product out there. And Atlanta is hopping. Oh gosh. Yeah. It's the, is it the number one? spot in the u.s for oh, movie yeah. making there's so, there's so much there's so much going on out here yeah that's I what mean, i hear and and this was this was even before covid like it you know with with the tax incentives that have been implemented and and that's people started shooting here way before then i i, I want to say i think it started actually in like 2008 or 9 i think so too when it's really it started you know gaining momentum and then and then eventually you know and and well, of course we we did not get locked down like everybody else did. Right. So, and so, yeah, so a lot of productions, you know, have shifted, um, have shifted to Georgia. Yeah. Well, 
we stopped our incentives in Texas. And I think that's, it's just cheaper. Yeah. And when you, when you've got those incentives, it's just cheaper than out in LA. Yep. Oh yeah. Everything, everything. I mean, and, and, and what I'm, what I'm seeing too, is you're now, you're now seeing the creatives like myself that are moving here. Yeah. Or seeing that type of change. Uh, that is something to be looked at. That is a sustainable industry, right? I mean, there still is a lot, and I still have a lot of friends in LA and New York, and and there's still a lot of decision-making that's made over there and then shot here. But when you start seeing producers and people moving here and talent, you know, getting second homes here and stuff like that, like that's- That's That's for real. That's for real, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna switch gears. That's fascinating and exciting. And I just think it's really cool I know so many independent filmmakers and, you know, even my son is a script writer. So it's really exciting. And, and I just love how you've encouraged people to do the show, do the podcast, do the social media, because I'm in a hundred percent agreement. And it took me a long time to get on that train, Mm -hmm. but I'm in a hundred percent agreement, but let's talk about voice. A lot of times when people think of voice, they automatically think of actors and so I want you to talk a little bit about, I think you see that perspective of the value for the actor, obviously, but let's talk about the value of that for the business person. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll break it down. I mean, you know, when you're, when you're an actor, you're a storyteller, right? You're, you're telling a story through your words, right? And so, and so there is no if you're trying to captivate an audience, that's what you're doing, right? There's, there's highs and lows, there's inflections, there's, there's ways, there, there's pauses, right? There's different things that you can do to really draw your audience in. Well, there's no difference if you are the CEO of a company speaking to your company or speaking, you know, at a speaking engagement, right, to the audience or you're pitching a product or whatever it is. It's still the same technique. It's still the same thing, right? And so it's 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 equally important, right? An actor, that's their job, right? Is to tell the story. But when you're trying to present a project or, or a product or, or you're trying to uh, get your information out there to whatever audience it is, right? So whether you're speaking to your company or you're speaking to be, you, you need to be able to project, you need to be able to tell that story to engage people. Yeah. And I don't see people get that sometimes because they think, oh, well, that's for actors yeah, or that's for singers. So I love that perspective that you put on because so, okay, so you've got the podcast, but are you making, are you using your voice in a way to make them want to listen? Right. Right. Well, you know, and another thing too, is like, I always say like (laughs) actors make great sales reps. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, case of point, but like, but that's the thing though, is there, you're, you're telling a story, you're people buy, you know, the number one thing is people buy on emotion. Yeah. Right. And so, and it's, so if you can, if you can use your voice to, to excite somebody about a product or service that you offer, you know, that's, that's going to, that's going to make you stand out from all your other competition. Right. And, and, and you mentioned on the, on the podcast. Yeah. Like you want to be able to keep people engaged, you know, the whole, I mean, listen, it, 
The whole monotone thing, you know, I mean, we, we always hear about like, you know, the, the graduation speech that's going on and on forever, right? I don't think anybody really like enjoys that. I mean, there's a lot of people that, that fall asleep. And so it's like, hey, let's let's tweak it a little bit, right? Let's 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 put a story behind what you're saying. But let's my old acting teacher used to say this. They said, color your words. Mm. That always mm-hmm. stuck with me as an actor. Mm-hmm. color your words. If you can color your words, then you can paint a beautiful picture. Yeah, boy, I'm going to take that little clip and I'm going to play it over and over and over on social media because that is, that's it. You just, you couldn't have summed that up more perfectly. And the thing is, is it's, it's in us. A version of that is in all of us. Right. We just don't, a lot of people don't realize it or they don't think that exists for them. They're introverted or they're shy or whatever their story is that they're telling themselves. You want to hear a secret, Tracy? I'm an introvert. (laughs) Are you really? Total introvert. Yeah. I mean, like, but I I realize that like, Hey, you know, um, like if I go into like a networking event and there's like a million people running Mm -hmm. through, like it's, it's, it's difficult. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but if, if you focus on, at least the one person that's in front of you and, 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 and you understand like, all right, Hey, we're, we're having a conversation here. Um, let me be engaged. Let me be present. Right. And just focus one thing at a time. The biggest thing for introverts. And I I found this with me is you got to take the time for yourself. Right. So when the camera's on, you need to be on, Right. But when the camera's off, you got to re you almost like you got to recharge. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So for, for a lot of people that are extroverts, like it's, it's just natural. Like they can walk in a room and everybody's their best friend. Yeah. Right. But, but for an introvert, you can do this. Like you can be able to perform and you, you know, on camera and, and have inflection in your voice and be exciting and be engaging. And then when the, when the camera's off, go recharge. Yeah. That's what I do. And so from introvert to other fellow introverts out there, that's exactly what I do. And that's powerful because I believe that that is true. Everything you just said, I I mean, you are bringing your words to life. And I believe that everybody can bring their words to life. It's all in knowing how, knowing how to, how to do you, right? Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's, that's such a good good, valuable information because I know so many of my listeners are introverts. And I think sometimes they feel hopeless because they feel like they're supposed to do it like the extroverts. Yeah. No, be you. Just be you. It it is who you are, right? And just be you. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Well, Chris, I know I've got to let you go. You got movies to make and podcasts to record and businesses to run all over the country. So, but thank you so much for being with us today. This was amazing. Oh, I had so much fun, Tracy. This was great. Now, how do people, obviously, obviously we'll put all these links in the show notes, but how do people look you up if they're interested in working with the agency and whatnot? Sure. So uh, the agency, so it's uh, agency850.com, 850, agency850.com. So you can look us up on the web. For me personally, I mean, you hit me up on any social media platform, I'm pretty much there. So Chris (laughs) Blasio, uh, you'll you'll find me and I answer my messages. So I I have a passion to helping entrepreneurs, uh, anybody in the entertainment business, of course, hit me up and DM me. 
and I'd be more happy to give you give you whatever I got to help you. And that's so clear. You are you are such a you are the epitome of the heart centered entrepreneur. You're really out to help people, and you do every day. So thank you so much for what you do, and thank you for being here. Thanks so much, Tracy. I appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you, listeners. That's it for today. Until I see you next time, you know what to do. Get out there and speak your truth. Just do it beautifully. Thanks for listening to Captivate the Room with Tracy Goodwin. You can reach out to her at CaptivateTheRoom.com and be sure to grab The Voice Formula, a free video series that will help you start making a bigger impact with your voice today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. 